We continue with our theme, the armour of God, as contained for us in Ephesians chapter 6. Let me read to you from verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So we've already talked about six pieces of the spiritual armour which God has equipped us with in our spiritual battle against Satan and the world and our own sinful flesh. But there's one vital important piece left. Today we have another weapon which is just as powerful, in fact maybe even more powerful at times. Now some people don't consider this to be part of the armour because Paul hasn't named it as part of the armour. But it's a piece that we can surely think of as an armour. Paul didn't seem to have a parallel piece of armour to compare this final weapon to. There were other weapons that the Romans had. There were battering rounds and catapults. But Paul doesn't compare any of these to what he wants us to focus on tonight, which is the matter of prayer, the weapon of prayer. You know how enemies in uh, warfare are always trying to get the upper hand. They're always designing and creating new weapons that will give them the upper hand in battle. Well, I think what we've got here is a a secret weapon that God has given to us. It's a weapon that the enemy cannot stop and cannot thwart. There's no defence against this weapon. If Paul were writing today, I think he might have had a ready illustration of this weapon from modern warfare. So you have a picture of an army in battle or a group of soldiers and they're very much under fire and uh, they're in great danger and they're isolated and uh, there is no support around them. So what do they do when they're under heavy fire today? Well, they get on their radio and uh, they send to headquarters their coordinates as to where they are Uh, expressing their need of urgent help and uh, the army will send in jets coming as fast as they can to give them the support that they need. I think Paul would well have used that as an illustration of prayer had he lived in our day. John Bunyan calls this the weapon of all prayer. In fact, when we read this passage and the similar passage that we read in Colossians, it's insisting so much 
on the necessity of us to pray. Any soldier who goes into battle would be wise to pray. Pray, of course, for victory. That's what Volodya from Ukraine said to me. Pray for victory for us. Or we pray that we may be prepared for death. Or we pray that we may be prepared for injury. Prayer is so vital in the battlefield. Unto the Christian it's absolutely indispensable. We will have no victories, no strength, no support, no effective use of the armour that God has given to us unless we are prayerful. It doesn't matter how skilled we may be uh, in uh, our understanding of God's word and how to use it, unless we pray we will not be effective in our spiritual life. Now I've told you before about one of the most famous books on this chapter. It was by William Gurnell, called The Christian and Incomplete Armour. And he goes through each piece of armour. But uh, it's amazing that one third of his book is on the last piece of armour, the subject of prayer. And he recognised how important prayer was in the light of all that had gone before and in the necessity of people to pray. We know that the Christian life, part of the Christian life, is listening to God. That's what we're doing tonight. We're hearing God's word. We're hearing God speak to our hearts. We're being instructed from the authority of God's word. But God's word requires a response. If the spiritual life in our hearts... We not only listen to God, we speak to God. There is a response. There is a sense of his presence. The unseen presence of God is something we are aware of and we regularly and continually communicate with God just as he communicates to us from his word and through the spoken word. Napoleon once said, an army marches on its stomach. What he meant, of course, was that soldiers need to be in touch with headquarters where that will ensure a supply of all things necessary, particularly food. No matter how skilled a general is, no matter how brave the soldiers, no matter how good the weapons are, if they are not spirit, if they are not nourished, they will not win. And if we, the people of God, have information and knowledge and experience, if we're not in touch with the Lord, walking with a sense of his presence, we will not succeed. We need a supply line. We need a line to headquarters. And we are connected to the Lord by prayer. Prayer that is a reality expressed in our thoughts and our desires going out to God again and again. Have you noticed how emphatic Paul is? The end of his letter of Ephesians and again in Colossians, he's reminding us of the importance of communication. There's a story story from uh, World War II when an officer was briefing his uh, soldiers on how to obtain a a certain objective. And if any of you uh, see pictures uh, of some of the battles where the lines are drawn up, 
he told the advancing officers that they were to hug the ground and stay below enemy fire. He went on and said, if you advance on your knees, you will always be safe. Brothers and sisters, that's a word to us. We will be safe in our spiritual battles if we stay low in dependence on God and in prayer. So let's unwrap a little bit of exactly what Paul is saying. Prayer, verse 18, and pray in the Spirit. Now, we recognise it's the Holy Spirit who inspires us to pray and helps us to pray and reminds us of what to pray. And we need to pray in accordance with the will of God when we pray. And when we pray in the Spirit, that means we must make sure that we do nothing that will grieve the influence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Paul says in Ephesians earlier on, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were sealed for the day of redemption. In other words, act towards the Holy Spirit in the way you act towards a, a, a very special and loving friend. You would carefully avoid offending or hurting or injuring somebody that you really valued and was important to you. And the Holy Spirit lives in the hearts of every believers. And we must be so careful that we do not grieve him by being ungrateful or by offending him with sin, but we treat him as if he's so precious and we nurture his influence in our hearts. Paul says elsewhere, do not put out the Spirit's fire. You know how to put out a fire, don't you? You put a blanket over it, you starve it of oxygen. And if the Holy Spirit is not accessed by us, if his source of energy is not tapped, we will not have life. Pray in the Spirit. How important it is some of us may have known and some churches may have known times when the Holy Spirit is really prompting us to pray. Have you known that in your experience? That something is really laid on your heart that you really pray about a lot. That it's a real experience. And sometimes the Holy Spirit keeps reminding you of a certain person or a certain need and you keep praying. It's the Holy Spirit working in your heart giving a spirit of faith and prayer. But then, not only does Paul say, pray in the Spirit, pray with the vitality that the Holy Spirit gives to us, but pray on all occasions. John Calvin says, when everything flows on pros prosperously, <clears throat> and we're easy and cheerful, we seldom feel any strong excitement to prayer. And it sometimes needs some kind of distress to stir us up. How true that is. That sometimes it's the real needs that come into our life that really stir up our spiritual life and make us realise how neglectful we have been and how lacking in prayer. There's nothing more that Satan dreads. Nothing more that unsanctified human nature dreads 
than prayer. The habits of sin and a prayerful spirit cannot exist together. Sin will make you uneasy in prayer, or prayer will make you uneasy in sin. Pray on all occasions. There's no occasion for prayer that is insignificant to God. There's nothing too little to make a matter of prayer. There's nothing too trivial, nor is there anything too important. Pray all matters for prayer. And then there's all kinds of prayer. It goes on and pray in the Spirit with all kinds of prayer and requests. If prayer is talking to God, one of the things surely we will be praying for is removal from evil. This is what David is so often writing about in his Psalms. He's composing psalms that are prayers in his times of need when he's facing all kinds of opposition and evil. Psalm 68, may God arise, may his enemies be scattered, may his foes flee before him. He's praying for the removal of evil. We will be praying for that, for many peoples in the world and for those we love. We have to pray also with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a vital element in prayer. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. How important it is to be grateful. You know, sometimes we give gifts to people and that they, they can be quite neglectful of saying thank you. But you know, when we give to people and they're so grateful... And they never forget to say thank you in some way or another. What is the effect upon us? We feel like doing it again. We feel like being generous again. We need to have petitions. When we think about petitions, we know how groups of people petition government for something they want to be changed or something they want to be done. The book of Esther gives us a, a lovely illustration of a petition presented in a real emergency where she was conscious that she was taking her life into her hands but it was something she had to petition there and then with urgency. Do we see an urgency in petitioning our God to work for us and to work on behalf of those we love? And the variety of prayer is not only confession. It's not only thanksgiving, but it's also intercession. Paul says in 1 Timothy, I urge then first of all that requests, prayers, intercessions and thanksgiving be made for everyone. What is intercession? You're speaking up on behalf of somebody. You're standing up for another person. If you're standing up for another person, or you're speaking up for another person, it shows that you're concerned about them. Nehemiah, in his lovely autobiographical book, so often interjects a prayer like this in his daily life. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands are going to get too weak for the work and it won't be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. He was interceding with God that the Lord would strengthen him. 
Prayer has variety, Paul says. But then Paul is saying also, with this in mind, be alert and always keep praying. Prayer means that we are our alert people. We see occasions and matters that we need to pray about. There are two, two participles in this, praying and staying alert. So the idea is stand firm by praying and by staying alert. Do you remember the Lord Jesus told the disciples in the garden, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The Lord Jesus was grieved by his disciples who went to sleep. They didn't realise the danger they were in. They didn't maintain their support and their prayer vigil with him. Uh, If you're an army sentry, it's vital that you keep awake, that you see the danger coming, and you prepare for it. So Paul is saying, be alert. Do you see somebody suffering? How's that going to affect them? Pray for them that Satan won't discourage them in their trial. Do you see someone disappointed and looking down and sad? See them like that. Pray for them that they will learn to trust in God and turn to him for help. Don't be indifferent. Be watchful about brothers and sisters and friends and family. See their need. Turn it into prayer. Show your love by being watchful and concerned. Not simply nosy, but having a loving concern for the well-being of others. And then Paul says, keep on. The phrase is literally, at every opportunity. He says it differently in Thessalonians. Pray continually. Now, I'm told by the Greek scholars that the root of the word is from a hacking cough. Um, someone with a, someone with, a, with, a, with a hacking cough, a tickly cough, uh, can't go long without coughing. And he's saying that a person whose heart is right with God can't help keep praying. The desire to pray will keep coming back. Be rather like uh, it's sometimes used in a, in a, in a military context. If, if someone in a battle has been rebuffed, what will they do? They, they, will, they will return to the fray. They will continue the attack until they are successful. So easy, brothers and sisters, in the matter of prayer, to be neglectful and to be forgetful and not persevere. You see, do we excuse ourselves if we break one of the Ten Commandments? No, no, we know we've done wrong. We know it's not right. But we don't say, well, I couldn't help it. I didn't feel led to stand for the Ten Commandments. It's the same with prayer. We can't say we didn't feel like praying. God commands us to pray. And if we really are alive, we will pray. Jesus told a a powerful uh, parable that taught his disciples always to pray and not give up. It was the widow who was persistent with the unjust judge so this encourages us to keep praying when we have had a good day 
when we've been blessed, we should immediately thank the Lord for it. When we encounter difficulty and challenge and decisions, we should turn to the Lord immediately to help us through. When we see evil going on around us and things going wrong, we must pray that God will make us right. When we meet people who don't know the Lord, we must pray that the Lord would touch their hearts and give us wisdom in the way we live before them. Prayer isn't just going like you go, well, like days gone by when there were banks on the high street, you go to a bank and withdraw some money when you need some more money. It is not like talking to a banker. Partly is, but not simply like that. It's a relationship. It's a conversation with someone you know and love. It's a communication. It's a union. It's an expression of our dependence. You know, isn't it lovely sometimes when those of us who are fathers or those of you who are mothers or grandparents, um, isn't it lovely when the children come to you and say, Dad, can you help me in this? Dad, can you lend me a fiver? No, you don't often have that now, do you? Uh, when somebody comes to you, that they're, they're showing their trust in you, uh, they're showing their dependence upon you. It's a lovely thing. The Lord loves to hear us pray. We're expressing our love to him. We're showing that we really believe he is our heavenly father. That we can come to with confidence. Knowing he's not going to rebuff us. Prayer is the Christian's vital breath. It may be difficult. I'm preaching tonight on prayer. And I know it's much easier to preach about prayer than it is to practice regular, meaningful Believing prayer. How do we deal with our struggle sometimes with prayer? Well, perhaps we need first of all to develop a habit of being at state of conscious communication with God. That's how Nehemiah was. He had an extremely busy life. He was overseeing a tremendous project. He was facing opposition limited means he was under huge pressure to accomplish a task in a short space of time but look at the end of his chapters he puts up this arrow prayer he's in a spirit of constant desire and, and, and leaning on the Lord maybe we can learn that sometimes it's lovely if we're married in the Lord we can pray together that helps us. It's lovely when we come together as churches and we can pray together and we can pray with children and that sometimes helps us. Sometimes we may need the help of having some music. Uh, you remember the prophet when uh, things were disturbing him. Um, he said, call for a minstrel. Sacred music can have a, a, a very helpful effect upon us and, and, and make our mind more prayerful. We can do it when we go for a walk. If you've got a dog, you can go out for a walk with your dog and there commune with the Lord. I've known times when I've been praying. I often am when I drive here on a Sunday. Praying in the car. Praying your lunch breaks at work. Need to cultivate the importance of walking with God and being in touch with the Lord. I know it's Hard. 
And I know there are times when our hearts feel dead and cold and prayerless. But we have to battle through those periods. We have to work it through so that there is a reality in our communion and communication with God. But the Apostle Paul says not only the importance of continuing and all kinds of prayers, but always keep on praying for all saints. You see, Paul has been using battlefield analogies. We've got to remember that we're not the only soldier. Wouldn't be much good if we were, would we? We've got fellow soldiers. We need to pray for our brothers. They may be struggling with the battle. They may not be as fit and as energetic and as well trained as we are. They may be novices in the spiritual battle. They may have received an injury but they're keeping on. We need to pray for our colleagues who are part of the Lord's army and be all for one and one for all as is said. We're not Christians in isolation. We belong to a body and if one member hurts, all hurt. So we pray for the people of God around the world, those who are persecuted. Paul says, in the writer of the Hebrews says, remember those in prison. Now, listen to his argument. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners. And those who are mistreated as if you, were, you yourselves were suffering. In other words, when you pray for all saints, put yourself in the place of others. Put yourself in the place of some members of the congregation here. Put your self in the place of those that you know about in other countries praying for others helps us show our love to people and our love to God other believers need prayer some slip away some backslide some make mistakes some get entangled by the world we, we need to be as Paul has already said, watchful and alert to these things and keep praying for all the people of God. Pray for young Christians. They're surrounded by far more temptations than I was in my generation as a young man. Pray for Christian parents facing the challenges of raising children in these days. Pray for single Christians who may battle with loneliness or unconverted family members. Pray for... Christians in busy lives that the Lord would uphold them pray for Christians who struggle to apply their faith in the workplace and the environment which is so hostile pray for elderly Christians who may be failing in health and in mind or may be attacked by doubts and fears in old age pray for Christians everywhere and in all circumstances all the saints all kinds of saints Young and old, weak and strong, rich and poor, gifted and ungifted. Never ever forget to pray for all the saints. Paul is telling us this. And he's urging for prayer for his brothers and sisters. But then listen to Paul. Pray for me that whenever I open my mouth, Words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, what I am an ambassador in change. Pray I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So here Paul is praying 
for himself. This is Paul. This is a highly educated man. This is a man who's really not short of words. This is a man who understands different languages, who understands the religions of the world, who's got a theological grasp second to none. Here is a man who's passionate about the gospel and he spread the gospel to all kinds of cities and countries in the world. And he wants prayer that he's going to have the right words, the relevant winning words. He's praying that he may be fearless. I'm sure Paul had got a ready answer for for people uh, because he was so gifted. But remember, preachers have fears. They fuss over their preparation. They fret over their delivery. Paul, no less than Paul, is asking for prayers that he may have the right words and fearlessly speak the words that God gives him. The Corinthians said of Paul, his personal presence is unimpressive and his speech is contemptible. That's what some of the critics in Corinth thought about Paul. He's a little man, he's he's a... He doesn't look much. He's not like some of the Greek orators that we've heard in the marketplace. And Paul says that he was with them in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. This is the Apostle Paul. And this is his heart, how he feels weak and fearful and trembles. He's conscious that without the strength of God, without the anointing of God, without the Holy Spirit prayer that's going to come through the prayers of the people of God, he's going to be unsuccessful. Paul was going to go before Caesar, the emperor of the Roman Empire. Can you imagine how Paul felt like that? What should he do? Should he play safe? when he goes before the emperor and just be careful and perhaps trim a little bit of the doctrine that he's been speaking so that his life might be preserved a bit longer to be useful. You can imagine all the challenges, the temptations to make compromises, to hold back. All of those are on the front line of ministry, whether they're preachers, church leaders, missionaries, evangelists, or full-time workers, face temptations and are targets of the enemy Satan if he can bring down a leader makes a big hit I kind of feel quite encouraged sometimes when you read about Ukraine and the fact that Ukrainians have taken down so many Russian generals perhaps I shouldn't feel like that but uh, the Ukrainians know that that's one of the ways to weaken the Russians And Satan knows it's one way to weaken the church of God to bring down the leaders. Paul is saying, pray that I may declare the gospel. So brothers and sisters, I'm laying before you the importance of prayer. It begins when you're young. You pray simple prayers. You pray prayers about your little things in life. And when you confess Christ, you're prayer life and understanding develops and expands as you grow in grace and in the knowledge of God your prayer life becomes so much richer and fuller but it's still never going to be easy to maintain that spirit of prayer 
spirit of watchfulness. But just remember, you're one member of a wonderful army. An army that's going to win, but an army that's going to win from its knees. An army that's going to put on the whole armour of God with prayer. Prayerfully watching. When I was in uh, Ljubljana, that's the capital of Slovenia, on the Sunday morning we walked around the town and I went into the cathedral. I could not decide what to think at first. I thought, am I in an art gallery? It's a wonderful art gallery. Or am I in a pagan temple? Monuments and sculptors and pictures and art in every conceivable corner. And if you go to St Paul's, uh, you will see monuments recording the triumphs and the achievements and the fame of many great British people. But there are other victories that have been won. Victories that are not recorded in cathedrals. Victories that are real. Victories that have been won not on the battlefield or in the study or in the House of Commons, but victories that have been won in the, in the bedroom, in the church, in the prayer meeting, or travelling, or when we're alone. These are the victories. Victories over sin, over temptation, victories of faith, answered prayers, not recorded on the walls of a place of worship, but victories recorded in heaven. Victories that will last and have an impact for eternity. May God help us to listen, retain and act upon his word to pray. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are humbled and we confess our need of your help to be men and women and boys and girls of prayer. How we thank you for the power of prayer. We read in the book of Revelation that there were those who had the power to shut heaven. And we remember your servant prayed and the rain was withheld. And he prayed again and the rain came. And Father, we acknowledge that we sometimes do not really believe as we should in the power and effectiveness of prayer. And we do not value the daily communion with you that prayer gives us. And we ask you to forgive us and to teach us and to help us. Oh, Lord our God, we have faced the challenge from your word tonight. But we know that through your Holy Spirit, you can teach us to pray. You have given us a model for prayer. And we have great reason to pray. 
And maybe tonight, there may be some in this building tonight who have never really prayed. They may have uttered prayers. They may have repeated the Lord's Prayer. But they've never engaged with you in heartfelt prayer. Confessing their need. Giving thanks to you. And praying for your help. And praying for others. Lord may it be that there are some tonight who will begin to pray. Who will go home and engage with you. Oh Father do it we pray. For your glory. And for the good of individuals. And your people on earth. In Jesus name we ask. Amen. Amen.